This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. When your personal investments need help to reach your retirement dreams and navigating the complex world of financial planning requires an experienced manager, that's when you know you're ready for prime time. Welcome to Prime Time Money on Zoomer Radio with Richard Infantino, Senior Wealth Advisor at RBC Dominion Securities. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Canada's only money show dedicated to those of you 50-plus in your overall investment tax and estate planning and your direct link to all of North America's top money managers with the best ideas on how you can grow your money. And talking about top managers, we have two of them for you here today. First one up is uh, Jeremy Lin. He's a portfolio manager with Purpose Investments. And we asked Jeremy to talk about uh, clean energy. It's probably a phrase that you've heard, but don't really understand exactly what clean energy is. Well, he's going to explain all about that. And uh, they invest money in that particular sector. So he's going to tell you about how they're investing money. And second up is um, Shane Obata, and he's with um, Middlefield Funds. And we asked him to come in and talk about he manages global equity. So we wanted to know if there's going to be a global Santa Claus rally this year at the end of the year. And we're looking forward to it as investors. We want Santa to come to town, that's for sure. But first, um, last week we had a show on bonds, and I went over the Beginner's Guide to Investing in Bonds. It's a four-page guide, and it uh, offers you um, – It's there's no cost for it, of course. And it basically explains all about bonds because, you know, now we're in, we're in a phase where we have rising interest rates. And, um, you know, as of this week, you know, prime, prime lending rate is, is 6.95%. So it's, you know, getting up to 6 and you're getting over 7%. If you're loaning money, you're getting prime, prime plus one. Look at what you're paying. So on the other side of it, you can invest and get those kinds of yields from, from fixed income. So that's getting near peak because I think a rate of that high, um, you know, paying over 7% and then mortgage rates are going up. So I, I think that's pretty close to uh, enough to slow down this economy and, and uh, get us on, on track in terms of, you know, uh, combating uh, inflation. So that could be a peak. So that offers you an opportunity to lock in these kinds of rates. So um, different kinds of fixed income can offer you that. So you have GICs, you have, you know, regular types of uh, bonds, you have corporate bonds, you have government bonds. So um, you want to look in those areas to, to lock in some some good yields there. So this guy, you know, basically explains in, in layman's terms pretty easy, you know, how bonds work, how to make money from bonds, um, you know, the types of bonds, how to buy bonds, and then the pros and cons to owning bonds compared to, um, you know, having uh, money invested in stocks. So if you'd like to get a copy of the guide, it's free for the asking. Just call Dominique at one 891 2637 That's 1-866-891-2637. And um, here's some of the rates you can get. Just, just quickly, I'm just looking at a page here. You can get, so GICs, you can still get uh, one, two, and three-year GICs paying 5%. And the, and the ones that we've been buying for our clients, they, they pay monthly interest. Those are the ones you want. If you could get like a two or three year GIC paying you 5% and you get the money monthly, that's that's a great return, especially for, for your RIF accounts or uh, if you're living off of the money, you want that interest coming. Instead of waiting a year and your money's locked up and you have to wait a year to get the interest, better to get it every month. Um, you can also, uh, the other thing that's interesting about GICs that you're finding, and this is how we, why we're talking about a bit of a peak is because if you go longer, you would expect to get more interest, but he actually 
four and five year GICs, you get 4.8% or you can get 5% or a little bit more on one, two, and three. That kind of tells you where interest rates are kind of, uh, what, what they're anticipating there in terms of interest rates. There's also strip coupon bonds. We talked about those on the show before too. They're a good option. You can get 5.5% for two years and corporate bonds um, have done very well in terms of getting you some good yields and you can get 5.5, 5.6%, up to 6% on uh, corporate bonds. So there's real opportunity with higher rates and, and it may not be for long here with these this last, uh 50 basis point uh, rate rise by the uh, government of Canada. So one 891 2637 You can get, ask Dominique, she can give you a list of our, our current rates and the kinds of bonds you should be looking at and she'll give you the guide in terms of uh, you know, understanding uh, about bonds and how to buy them and, and what goes on when you're when you're investing actually in individual bonds. You can also buy ETFs or a bond fund at the same time, you know. Um, those are also available to you. But this is an opportunity just to lock in. The difference between a bond and a bond fund is if you hold the bond to maturity, you're guaranteed to get your money back by the issuer and get your interest. If you own a bond fund and interest rates move like they have and they keep going up, you could lose money in, on those. That's the big difference then of owning a bond directly and a, a bond fund. Okay. Have you heard of clean energy? Is it the future of energy? Let's find out. Stay right there. We have Jeremy Lin of Purpose Investments joining to talk about it. I'm Richard Infantino, and you're listening to I'm Time Money. Okay, we are back. I'm Richard Infantino. You're listening to Primetime Money. You know, climate change is here and the governments all over the world are focused on clean energy. So joining us now to talk all about that is Jeremy Lin, who's Portfolio Manager with Purpose Investments. Hey, good morning, Jeremy. Thanks for uh, coming onto the show and talking with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. You know, uh, the reason why we wanted you to come on the show is to talk a little bit about you know, a phrase that a lot of the listeners have been hearing. It's called clean energy. Explain what clean energy is. For sure. Uh, yeah, so clean energy, the way we view it, it's, it's really a, a secular growth story. And that's been evident just given the forced energy transition that we're seeing across the world. Um, you know, there's no shortage of natural disasters that happened this year. And, you know, just to point out a couple of examples... We saw extreme levels of drought globally where, you know, the Rhine River in Germany this summer having problems shipping coal that was needed to alleviate their shortage in gas. We saw the Three Gorges Dam in China, the world's largest hydropower plant, delivering significantly less power. And in places like Texas and California where we saw record cooling demand, that led to electrical grids being pushed to their brinks. So all of these examples basically translates to higher electricity costs over time, and really this need for an alternative source of energy to to boost our energy supply. And the important theme here is that no civilization in history has really advanced by using less energy. So this growing energy theme, um, especially clean energy, is definitely going to kind of stay secular for, for the decades to come. So, like, what are the components of clean energy? Like, uh, could you explain that to listeners? Is it because we think everybody, when you think of energy in Canada, you think of oil and gas. Sure. Yeah. So, <clears throat> there are different, definitely different um, um, parts of that piece. So, clean energy can include traditional renewables like solar and wind, uh, hydropower. Uh, with our definition, we also include nuclear, okay. uh, which is also very important as part of the energy mix. But when we think about clean energy and really emission reduction, this is the piece where we also need to look at traditional fossil fuel energy and see what are the solutions out there and the producers that can incrementally reduce their emissions. 
at the same time in conjunction with all the renewable energy that we're trying to build out today. Okay, so now you guys have a uh, climate opportunities fund there at Purpose Investments. What kinds of, like, what are you doing there? What kinds of investments are in there? Sure. So at a high level, the the fund runs a growth-driven mandate that takes a more pragmatic approach to uh, investing in this energy transition movement. Um, We are not a clean energy fund that only invests in renewables, where we think it actually falls short of a comprehensive climate solution. So what we do is we invest in long-term opportunities associated with the energy transition, but we also identify um, companies that can resolve value chain bottlenecks and mismatch in energy supply and demand. Um, so we invest based on a 2050 view of the world, but we recognize that there needs to be an abatement arc um, to incrementally reduce emissions okay. while maintaining our current standard of living. And this process will require significant natural resources in order to provide the, the critical minerals and necessary uh, infrastructure build out. Okay, so that's that's a lot different than uh, most clean energy funds because they'd be sticking pretty pretty close probably to, you know, solar, wind, geothermal, that type of thing, right? Correct. Yeah, so you guys are going to look at companies. So so would it be something like a, uh, you know, Imperial Oil that's, um, you know, cleaning things up and, uh, and, and with their emissions? Would that be something, that kind of company? Yeah, so we're definitely very surgical when it comes to selecting kind of best-in-class um, fossil fuel producers where – the management and their business model is more geared towards reducing their own emissions over time. Okay. Um, so we try to pick those out amongst you know the hundreds of EMPs out there, whether it's within the refining space or the producer space. Um, there are some of the top players are already uh, doing research and putting ca- capital expenditure into carbon capture technology and also and really reducing their own emission footprint. And we think that's very impactful impactful in terms of reducing our global emissions worldwide. Now, your fund, is it a global fund or is it just Canadian? It is global fund. So we have exposure in Canada, U.S., Europe, um, Asia, so okay, so it's, uh, across uh, the globe. So it's a total global mandate. Um, is, is, it a, is it a mandate that, that pays out any kind of distributions or is it a growth mandate? It's a growth mandate. Okay, so it's not f- focused on, on that type of thing. Now, in terms of timeliness... I know that um, you know some of the, there was a you know big push with clean energy and those companies went shooting up, but they came pulling back strongly. And oil and gas has been has been uh, uh, strong this year. Like, is it a good time to be investing in this space? Yeah, and, and absolutely. And you know, the first catalyst, um, you know, we we kind of already discussed, which is just this forced energy transition. Um, there's a lot of macro um, economic risk, whether it's interest rates going up, um, this you know, pending recession that everyone's talking about today. But the reality is the impacts of climate change continues to be more in frequency and severity over time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's no longer just some distant island or coral reefs that's being impacted by climate change. Like, it's already at our doorstep. Yeah, right. So it's inevitable that companies that can enable climate change solutions are likely to benefit um, for decades to come. The second catalyst, and why I think... Um, you know, investors should look at names in the space is because it's this year the U.S. passed the biggest climate policy, the Inflation Reduction Act, uh, in U.S. history. And this tax bill offers tax credits across the board within solar, wind, transmission, manufacturing, uh, electric vehicles, hydrogen, carbon capture. Um, 
So the bill is so significant that it's kickstarting a renaissance movement in reshoring U.S. and North America manufacturing that will expedite that energy transition and reduce our supply chain dependence from countries that have significant emissions and human rights issues, including Russia, China, many countries in the Middle East. Yeah, no, that, that's a great point, uh, Jeremy. Thanks again for taking the time out to join us here today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, and continued success with your Climate Opportunities Fund. All right, thank you. All right, you take care. Okay, that was Jeremy Lin. He's a portfolio manager with Purpose Investments. Remember, commissions, trailing commissions, management fees, and expenses all may be associated with mutual fund and ETF investments. The distributions are not guaranteed and they may fluctuate. Please read the prospectus before you invest. Mutual funds and ETFs are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently and past performance may not be repeated. This show is sponsored in part by Purpose Investments. So is Santa going to be coming to the stock market this year? We hope so. Because usually at this time of the year, we're going to have a Santa Claus rally. Stay right there and we'll find out if we're going to have one. I'm Richard Infantino, and you're listening to Primetime Money. Okay, we're back. You're listening to Richard Infantino on Primetime Money, and hopefully we're hoping for Santa to come uh, at Christmas time. But we're also looking into what's going to be happening next year and in the future. So joining us now to talk all about that is Shane Obata. He's the Executive Director and Portfolio Manager at the Middlefield Group. Hey, good morning, Shane. Thanks for uh, joining us here today. Thanks for having me. The reason that we have you on, Shane, is just one thing. We want to talk about a Santa Claus rally. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're all we're all hoping for that. Yeah, so is there, what's, what's the chances of, of that happening, you think? Well, it's a good time of the year in terms, in terms of seasonals. That's where this whole Santa Claus rally came from. It's generally a good time, time of the year for stocks for the ca- on the calendar. But I do think we've already seen the Santa, Claus, the Santa Claus rally to an extent. I mean, if we look at how the, how the, indi- the indexes have done since the end of Q3, it's been, it's been a nice rebound. Right. So you could argue that some of that was was kind of leading up into this. So we had rock bottom sentiment. One thing we saw was Bank of America has a has this bull bear sentiment indicator that was at zero at one point not too long ago. Yeah. And now we've seen some systematic buying, which basically means like trend following type uh, quantitative driven momentum strategies have been buying into this. So that's been helping out. And then from a fundamental standpoint, I think improvement on the inflation front is really what people are, have been happy about recently. So I do think maybe there's a little bit more upside into the end of the year. We're still seeing a lot of people trying to short the market as indicated by like the put call ratio and some other stuff. So that's typically a contra indicator, which means that that could lead to higher prices. But I do think that getting above 4,000 on the S and P, the risk, uh, the reward to risk gets, gets less attractive. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Okay. So the, the, the main focus and, you know, as you know, on our show here, the, the main thing that we talk about here on the show, and I, I know you, we align well with you is that we we focus on dividends and dividend growth. And I guess in this current environment, it's uh, more important than ever. Yeah, it is important. I think investors of all kinds should, should understand where their returns come from. And, and what I mean by that, if we look back historically of the total return picture in the, in the broader markets, 40% of that tends to come from dividends and dividend reinvestment. That's a substantial percentage. 
Yeah. And so we've actually seen that the, in periods of in decades where there's higher in, in which there's higher inflation, that income component becomes even more important. So very important part of an investor's return, generally speaking, and even more so when inflation is high. Yeah, that's for sure. Now, I know you guys have a, uh, a fund there. It's called the uh, New Manager. It's called the S- Sustainable Global Dividend Fund. Explain to everybody w- what you're doing there. Yeah, so this is a broad-based fund. It's it's definitely met, made for income investors, and we're offering current dividend yield is around 5.6%, which we think is highly attractive, coming back to the idea of the importance of having stable income in this in this sort of environment. And so the fund is it's it's global as the name suggests it's it's also sustainable in the sense that we integrate ESG into our analysis and 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 find that that's it's we think it's 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 a, a new form of risk mitigation if okay. you know what I mean. Okay. As as we as we move forward in in time I think there's more and more people talking about ESG and how 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 companies are are taking that into into consideration and so if you look at it in one way you could say that the companies that are are really trying to make an improvement are going going to carry less risk going forward so i think it's an added kind of risk mitigation tool yeah that's a great one um let's talk about a couple of companies that would fit into that that mold there yeah so there's there's a a wide number of companies we've got around 40 40 or so holdings right now. Mm-hmm. I think in a in a period of of less volatility, we'd probably swing swing down closer to 30, so more concentrated. So right now we're a little more spread out, but overall we're we're allocated quite defensively right now in terms of sector positioning and also within sectors. But there's always there's always good opportunities, right? So one thing that we always look for in terms of stocks is competitive advantage how does one how does a company compare relative to its peers and then more importantly is that competitive advantage sustainable so that's something that's always in the back of our mind and and one example i can give that's been a good long-term winner for us is uh, lvmh uh, louis vuitton moe hennessy out of france okay so this is what we would view as the best luxury company in the world so it's interesting that this company is technically in the consumer discretionary sector, but it really acts like a staple because even during periods of, of economic volatility, luxury never seems to go out of out of out of fashion. So it's an interesting brand and, and we think that their competitive advantage really comes from the brand power and, and the the full suite of of offerings that they have. So they have arguably the the best leather goods company in the world and 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 louis vuitton they also own moe and hennessy which are in the name and and other champagnes and spirits and whatnot including vogue clico it's a huge huge portfolio of of really impressive luxury brands and so this is a company that we think can continue to grow over time the the margins have actually gotten better over the COVID period, which is pretty amazing. Yeah. And it's something that we think can continue growing, continue paying a, a not not a super high dividend, but a, a good one considering the growth prospects that it offers. So we got we have one minute left, uh, Shane. You got one more we could do quick. 
Yeah. So another another area that we've been allocating to increasingly recently has been U.S. Telecom. Okay. So for a large part, there are some areas that are more expensive than others, but broadly speaking, I think the the valuations are, are undemanding. Let's put it that way. And that was partially because telecom, which which historically has acted defensively, didn't do as well because of rising rates. So now we think that we're past rising, we're past the peak in rates. That's that's our house view right now. And so telecom should should be able to act better. So one name that we've we're owning is, is called Deutsche Telekom, and this is a German company that operates German a German network. But the interesting part of the story here is that this is the 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 majority shareholder in T-Mobile. Oh, really? And so we we use Deutsche Telekom as a way to to get dividends from T-Mobile, which doesn't actually, or and get access to T-Mobile, which doesn't pay dividends. So it's a nice combination of both things. And the way that the current market is valuing Deutsche Telekom, it, you're basic. It's it's basically valuing the entire company based on its holdings and Teamus which is T-Mobile. And so you get the rest of the business the almost for free, which is like I said the German network and whatnot. So yeah. we think we think T-Mobile in the states is has the the best network for 5G as it currently stands and the best value proposition for customers kind of undercutting the competitors. And so we think that that company will continue to do well as CapEx kind of falls off, the Sprint integration is in the rear view mirror and all that leads to higher free cash flow. Yeah, two tremendous ideas, Shane. Thanks again for joining us here today. No problem, no problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and continuing success with the Sustainable Global Dividend Fund. Okay, thanks again, Shane. Um, he is the Executive Director and Portfolio Manager at Middlefield Group. Remember, commissions, trailing commissions, management fees and expenses all may be associated with mutual fund and ETF investments. Distributions are not guaranteed and they may fluctuate. Please read the prospectus before you invest. Mutual funds are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently and past performance may not be repeated. This show is sponsored in part by the Middlefield Group. Wow, we're all out of time. If you haven't called in, call in for the um, How to Invest in Bond Guide. Remember, as even Shane said, and I talked about at the beginning of the show, there is a great opportunity here in terms of locking in some good rates. So, And I talked about some of the rates on GICs and the different kinds of bonds. If you'd like to get those rates and the kinds of bonds that you can take a look at, uh, give Dominique a call now, 1-866-891-2637. That's 1-866-891-2637. Ask for the bond guide and the uh, bond quotes in terms of the prices that are available. And make sure you're available next week for, uh, we're going to focus on estate planning. We have an estate planning uh, lawyer coming in to talk about um, how to reduce probate fees and why it's so important to make sure you have your powers of attorney right up to date. And uh, of course, if you're looking for a second opinion on your portfolio, I can make myself available. Just give Dominique a call at 1-866-891-2637 and you can schedule a one-on-one with me uh, at that time. See you all here next week, folks. I'm Richard Infantino and you've been listening to Primetime Money. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. Idea City on the air and The Garden Show.